Hey, this is Pretty Much Pop, a culture podcast where winning isn't everything, and we don't need to bark at each other to be mutually supportive. Today we're talking about the sports dramedy Ted Lasso, created by and starring Jason Sudeikis, among others, premiered in 2020, just wrapped up its third and final season on Apple TV+. I'm Mark Lintemeyer, verifiably like a goldfish with a 10-second memory. I'm Al Baker, a recent convert to rom communism. <laughs> you can just call me Sarah, football is life, Brooke. <laughs> My name is Lawrence, and I was really good my first season and then went downhill after that. (laughs) Okay, so you said that, Lawrence, after we were talking about Ted Lasso a bit after the last episode we recorded. And I hadn't seen any of the show at this point. And surprisingly for all of us, I disagree with your take. I think the third season was was actually the strongest. Get the fuck out of here, Al. Really? Come on, man. Like, are we ever going to agree on anything, Al? Like, we're like really (laughs) good friends, but we never agree about anything. This is terrible. Keeps it fresh. Keeps it fresh. Oh my god. Keeps it fresh. Wow. Horrible. This is going to be a bad podcast. Definitely a different take than I have seen online. As far as sort of a utilitarian experience, like I think the first season is encapsulated enough that you could just recommend that Completely to just agree. about anybody. Agree. And like, that'll be a nice little yes. week or two Completely of TV or whatever agree. it is, Completely however agree. they fit it in. For Al, apparently probably two days to get through season one. <laughs> I, I'm guessing. I think I watched season one twice that I watched. Oh, oh my I, Lord. I watched it on my own. It's not a hard show to watch. Oh. And then, but then it gets... There's more soap opera. It's more investment. It's more characters. Just, yes, more characters. <laughs> and we have to give each of them their arc. And exactly. Each of their arcs to say something politically. And I still liked it throughout. I really didn't have much complaints about anything except some sort of personal repugnance <laughs> towards what do you think? How do you think I'm going to finish that sentence? Which character, which arc? I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. The, the beard stuff. The character of, the, oh, of Beard, who Coach is one of the Beard? co-creators yeah. of the show, who is fine as a side character, but like I kind of don't want to have a bottle episode about him. I don't want to know about him. It's, it's a little icky. Of the whole show. Okay. I don't wait, know. Wait, right. Of the whole show. show. Of the whole show. Of the whole show. There were two episodes that I thought that was the best really episode. That was the worst was episode of that entire show. <laughs> Al, I cannot believe how wrong you are about this. You are like way wrong. You're like Prince is bad kind of wrong right here, man. Like you're wrong, dude. Should we tell the people at home what Ted Lasso is about? And is it Lasso or Lasso? Do that. They, Lasso. they don't, they don't know just... what the show's about. Okay, go ahead, Mark. Do your thing. Do your, do your, your host thing. <laughs> an American football coach is brought in to coach an English football, a.k.a. soccer team, as a way of sabotaging it by the new owner who has inherited it from her philandering ex-husband. So the entire arc of the first season is she is trying to sabotage the team by making decisions that will make them worse. And he is trying to make the best of the only reason he's there is because he's just gotten separated from his spouse. And so he's dealing with that and his personal issues and the fact that he actually himself doesn't know anything about soccer at all. However, he does have the aforementioned Coach Beard, his friend from way back, another American who doesn't say much and is weird, but knows He's everything about soccer and makes the whole thing possible. And then from then on, we would have to explain that there are characters who are players and they have self-esteem mm-hmm. issues. And so how is he going to deal with them, opening them up, making them more friendly towards each other, more sensitive, more of the modern 21st century man, which I think is the overall arc and polarizing element, I'm sure. I haven't actually read online any like traditional man you know josh hawley or whatever saying this is a terrible show because like i thought maybe for the first season this was a christian show Mm. like if if somebody had busted out and just said you know jesus christ can like because so much of the ethic of what it's trying to put forward in terms of forgiveness in terms of like it's just so straight up christian morality yes but they have so many f words and they say shit a lot in the first season i don't understand how you ever thought that throwing out my first justification for my hugely unpopular and wrong opinion that the show is better in the third season than the first thank you for admitting that it's wrong (laughs) thank you for admitting happy happy to be an iconoclast here but one of the things that i like about the third season especially compared to the first is that in the first season all of the moral core of the show is just ted and the kind of impression you get is that Ted goes into a room and he makes everybody better by his being there. 
Whereas by the time we get to the third True. season, we're very much in the realm of like Mark was talking about what's doing the work here is brutally erasing toxic masculinity from the locker room. And that enables everybody to be supportive. Maybe Ted's a catalyst for that, but he's not. It's the progress in how we understand masculinity that's doing the work there, not just this single remarkable guy. I was reading an article, I read many articles actually about Ted Lasso, that the show is more about this giant list of themes than it is about plot. I mean, you can actually do like a two sentence pitch on this show. Whereas, I mean, this whole whole list, you know, like be a goldfish, believe, teamwork. It's about fatherhood and friendship and toxic masculinity and confidence and having regrets and having genius. I mean, it's just the list goes on and on and on. And it becomes more about that, which I think there's obviously a huge audience for, but far less about the actions that they each have to take, which is why, in my opinion, actually, the third season kind of goes a little off the rails because it's a show that it's called Ted Lasso, but it becomes less and less about Ted Lasso. Another thing I liked about the later season is that they did stop trying to have interesting plots because the show wasn't good at that at any point. The thing that I'm not, I think the most annoyed I got by the show was at the end of the second season or the end of the first season, where in the last episode they had three or four hard plot resets. I think it was the end of the second season because, like, yeah, yeah one character season. lost her job and, like, Nate turned, Nate, turned, Nate turned evil fully and it was like, yeah. okay, we've completely, it was like, clearly we've completely lost the plot. So we're just going to do a hard reset on several plot points at the end of this season and then be in the position that we want to be in. And there were a whole bunch of character motivations that didn't make sense to me, especially as they related to the plot. So like the whole thing we know about, is it Rupert, Anthony Stewart Head's character? the evil ex-husband. The only thing we know about it is that he loves this football club more than anything. So at the end of the second season, obviously he buys a different football club, which is just a completely natural thing for someone to do whose only character point that we know so far is that he loves this one football club more than anything else in the world. I was like, okay, clearly this show has just completely lost a plot now. And I think it did, but those hard resets in the end, I think paid off because they let the show be like the truest version of itself, I think, in, in, in the last season. What about the timing of it, though? It came out in the worst year, 2020. What about the timing of the show? Like, I'm dying to hear your thoughts about that. It was good comfort food. Is this, you know, it's what's responsible for it doing so well. I mean, good comfort food. It was a bomb. And the next year, it won all those Emmys. Let's just cut across the field here. The first season was great. Second season was less great. Third season was bad. The first season was great because. It did something to us that we needed. Like It uplifted mm-hmm. us. It gave us something comforting. We were having a very divisive time. We were in the middle of a pandemic. And so the show came along. Also, don't forget about George Floyd and all that kind of stuff. So the show came along. It was like a bomb. It made us feel good. And, you know, the plot was, eh, the plot wasn't great, but it was all about, hey, guys, humanity is okay. We're going to be okay. All that kind of stuff. And so because it spoke to that, I think it won all the awards. It captures the zeitgeist, all that kind of stuff. Season two and three, they try to do plot. They're not good at plot. They tried to do bottle episodes with people that didn't work. And it went off the rails. But that first season, if you look only at that first season, great show. If it had been a one season show, great show. Maybe one of the best, not of all time, but a really, really good show. And we had nothing else to do. Like, what what were we going to do? We couldn't go outside. We couldn't do anything else. That was the year. What was that god-awful Netflix bio? Tiger King. That show came out. That show, under any other circumstances, would not have taken off. We had nothing else to do. The kids couldn't go to school. We couldn't go to work. We were stuck. And so the show took off because it was a quality show. It went downhill after that. And I think that that's the reason why it still kind of remains. That's the reason why we're doing this episode was because of that first season. And one of the things that people refused to do, and I think I saw Sam Adams from Slate, uh, who's one of my editors that I work with, write this. He says, we need to come to terms with the fact that Ted Lasso is not a good show anymore. It's just not. And I think that he's right. Perfectly fine for Al. Al deeply enjoyed it. I'm happy that he had a, a great time with it. But it's like having a girlfriend when you're like in college. It's like, you know, she was great at the time. But, you know, the longer you stay with her, the returns go downhill. 
or boyfriend or boyfriend. That's really interesting because I only I only watched the show over the last two weeks. Right. So I didn't see it in 2020 when everyone was miserable. And honestly, until we got to the third season, until we got to the late second and early third season, when a lot of the like social political themes got more and more explicit, I was kind of wondering, I didn't really understand why you guys had suggested this show for a podcast because it seemed <laughs> very deeply wow. mediocre. Like, even though I do, th- I do think the third season is the, be- the best of the three, but it's overall, like, it's not great television. Like, there's a lot of lazy jokes. There's a lot of what looks like lazy writing. The plot points get left and, like, not picked up or, all over the place. Some of the performances are a bit shaky. But, like, it was fine. I passed it by. But I was, like, curious, like, why you guys were so interested in it. And maybe it is because, like, it was exactly the right vibe at the right time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it never really struck. It didn't really strike that important of a note with me. I was just like, okay, this is a kind of feel good, nice time. So is that the same for the rest of you? Did you all see it in 2020 and it was just exactly the right vibe at the right moment? Yeah, it was for, yeah, we watched it as a family. It was something that, you know, all three of us could watch and really, really enjoy. I think that's actually really an interesting point, Al. You know, I think so much of it, that's why I asked the question is, is it a product of its time that just sort of wore out its welcome for some of us? Obviously not for you, Al. It didn't have that effect. It didn't have the job to do for me of trying to recapture being like one of the only good things in the darkest period of my life. Right. It didn't have to work as hard for me in the later seasons, maybe. This show never felt like work to me in the later seasons. I know it got more sprawling. It tried to advance on itself. It tried to, you know, we're not just going to repeat the same thing. I don't know if consistent is the right word, but I feel like given that opening pitch, the ways that they chose to expand upon it, and I think thematically, it is entirely consistent and it was really driven home in the latter points and the way that it was expressed in the finale and every being so lovey-dovey and trying to get everybody to cry all over the place, which I, <laughs> I watched it by myself. I wasn't, there wasn't time in our evenings to fit it in with my wife. So I watched the finale by myself. And yes, oh, sure. Oh, sure. You know, insofar you as did? I would. Oh, you're such for, for sure. I cried so many get times during this yeah. show. And it was like, and I was kind of disappointed. Wait a minute, Al, you did? Seriously? You, I was kind of disappointed in myself because it's like, because <laughs> you can see what it's doing. It's pulling really cheap, like, moves on you to make, <laughs> to make this happen. But it worked on me. Al, I would never. I'm learning so much yeah. about you, Al. I would never imagine you as a crier. I'm a crier. I'm a crier in movies. I'm, I'm a big. I'm a big crier. Not so in t- not so much in TV shows, but like in movies. Yeah, I, I tear up and get misty eyed. The dust starts messing with my allergies in the movie theater. It happens quite frequently. But I would never imagine you to be a crier, Al. <laughs> I never knew that about you. I, I like you more. It's like just the sheer now. the sheer joy of being able to pretend that football is a very interesting sport. <laughs> oh, oh, how dare that's you! A, that's a good there transition. So we can stop growing as men, talking about our, our weeping while, while watching TV, is to talk about the sports aspect. So Sarah, at the beginning, you said, so you actually are, I know you're a runner. Were you very attracted to soccer in the first place? I was a big soccer player and I played soccer all the way through from grammar school through high school, a little bit in college. And then after I had my daughter, I actually returned to soccer as an adult. And I played up until just a few years ago where my, my ankles. Sarah Lynn, the athlete. Look at you, Sarah. I love, I just love playing. I mean, I, those are the two basic things that I like to do is run and play soccer, but I'm not playing soccer anymore. And my daughter played as well. And so I was like, you know, a player and then I was a soccer mom. So I, I really know the sport well. And, And actually it's funny watching them play soccer on this show and it's very clear that they have to make some pretty interesting cuts to make it look like they know what they're doing. Some of them do know a little bit about soccer. You know, it's not that they know nothing, but it's, you know, we went to a union game last weekend and we were just laughing at how slow the games on Ted Lasso are in comparison to when you see them live. Al, are you eating your words by calling soccer a mediocre sport or what, a bad sport? Would you say? Do, do, you, do you feel bad now? You feel bad being now? deliberately provocative. Of course, it's it's a wonderful game, especially coming from the exactly. UK. It's a wonderful game, and it's my national it's my national sport. But 
Okay, here's a question. Is there a national sport in the US? Because <laughs> you have American football, you've got I mean, baseball. Supposedly it's baseball, but it hasn't, no, it hasn't it, no, been No, it is not baseball. It's football. It used to be baseball. Basketball. It's basketball, not actually the no, most popular game. it's football. But here's the thing. You have football is most popular. You have these three, four, if you include hockey, like really huge sports in the US. And there's no none that's like a single dominant sport in the way that football is over here. So again, we've got like fo- football, rugby, cricket are the three big ones, but football is so hyper-dominant. It's just everywhere. I've got no interest in it and I can't escape it. So one interesting thing about the show for me was seeing an American take on football culture, on British football culture, especially the way like the local community reacted to Ted and to the players. And the things that the TV show decided to focus on as like weird or like noteworthy parts of football culture. That was really interesting to me just because I live in it so much. But the thing that you have to understand about football in the UK is that it is inescapable and it never ends. There is a season, but then they keep playing football even when the season's over. I don't know. I don't even know what they're doing. They're playing, they're playing in different leagues, maybe. I mean, this is one of the jokes that, that really worked for me was Ted Lasso being like constantly unable to keep up with the actual the administration of like football as a sport. Like how many leagues? Who gets to decide who's doing what? Why are we being relegated? What does that mean? What and it is, you know, it is insanely complicated, but it's mostly just inescapable. And that's something that the show I think portrayed really well. Is that like how deeply ingrained in just to the in in the fabric of of British culture football is, whether you want it to be or not. I was curious, we just got back from the, a trip to the UK. We were there for 10 days. And when we came back and watched, finished watching the third season of Ted Lasso, I was kind of struck by how American in personality all of the characters are, even the British ones, because they're all so outgoing and expressive. And that was not what we experienced when we were in the UK. Not they, Everybody was nice, but far more reserved in their real lives than I would see on Ted Lasso. It was like everyone was an extrovert. I was curious of if that kind of what you guys all thought about that. They were made that way I by Ted. they were made that way. I think that's Ted. just TV rather than, I'm trying to think of British TV shows. People are generally more expressive than they are in real life. That they are. I think that might just be like having a character fit for TV. I think maybe the lesson here is that like British people as they are, don't make good TV characters because they, like never do or say anything. Interesting. I don't think that's true, <laughs> but that's not true. But I do think that the idea of the show is that Ted made those people outgoing. So, like, if you remember at the very beginning of the first season, they were reserved. And they were kind of that's right. Yeah, closed off. Not yeah, yeah, closed off. I was trying. I was about to say sullen, but that's not it. These are an exceptional group of people in the first place, right? But I think that Ted brought that out of them. And so through the course of that first season, we see Ted bringing people out of the show. I need to backtrack completely. I had a question real, real fast, Al. When you say football, you mean soccer, right? No, I mean American football. Because, the it's football, the national, it's- because football is fucking American football. Like, that's what football no, the is. National sport, the national sport here is American football. I was wondering wondering what was going on there. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You guys sound like a Doritos commercial. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to remember the name of the character, the uh, assistant to the... the, Nate? uh, To Hannah Waddingham. Oh, oh, uh, Keely? I I, I don't... Oh, the guy. I I don't remember his name, but I know he talked about I can see him. The director of football operations. Yeah. Yes, yes. I I liked him. Yeah, Yeah. so he was great, and he was... Leslie. Leslie was, was a classically buttoned up British character and it was entirely mm-hmm. through oh I'm allowed to talk I'm allowed to have opinions right. and he comes out of his show and now I'm going to play bass and I'm going to you know that was a microcosm the rest right. of them I mean they're athletes at least TV athletes are presented as sort of exceptional and full of themselves and they're going to be more extroverted anyway so it's not like there were that many normal people there were I'm surprised it didn't say more about the hooligans like the hooligans, the three fans in the pub were sort of a great example of that was a good joke once, but they didn't really do anything with them. And it sort of just relied on you to like, you like to be around all these people. And so, I mean, that's what a soap opera is, is just established characters that you just want to be around. And they don't really, they make some jokes that are, that are a little funny, but you know, there's nothing particularly memorable that comes out a lot of, of a lot of these characters. 
that being a great example that they, what, I mean, what were they trying to do at the end with them? Like, oh, we could go get families, but nah, we're, we're football fans forever. Or what? Like that was the end of the joke that lasted three right. seasons <laughs> for those characters. And most of the players, of course, aren't British. I don't know if it's most of them, but at least a significant minority of them mm-hmm. are, aren't British. That's a, I don't, I'm not even sure what my point was there. Okay, here's a question. Is Ted Lasso changing uh, British emotional repressiveness or is he just changing toxic masculinity in sports? I think he's supposed to be curing toxic masculinity. I Maybe he's curing both. I'm, I'm going to say both. It's not either more or. the former it's because it's all about him coming up against like, British football culture. And- it's in the third season that he goes into the toxic masculinity part. But yeah, it starts off, you know, bringing Brits out of their shell and making them more American. Is that what he's doing? Is he making them more American? Idealized Americanism. I mean, if American means nice, but it's not like, again, that originally he was going to make this character obnoxious and the character as it appeared in like these commercials before, you know, when it was created. But he, Sudeikis has said in many interviews that basically Trump made him not want to do this. There's enough of that in the culture. I want to do something else with this. So, you know, if this is creating a different version of what exporting Americanism is, okay, that's that's a very nice TV ideal that perhaps is imitable in some way. You know, at least it's a wish fulfillment. We wish Americans were like a breath of fresh air and not uh, bulls in the, <laughs> the British China shop. Something interesting about the timeliness of the show is that clearly, like, even though it was what everybody needed tonally during the pandemic, it was obviously being made a couple of years prior to that. And it really does seem like one of the main decisions they wanted to make was like, here is a positive influence from America. He's from Kentucky. He is very, very like red state coded in general, but he has no bad personal qualities whatsoever. And that's just what 2018 or whenever it was that they were the stars of making this show. That's a really bold choice to be making in terms of what you're putting on TV. Yeah, I agree. What other like unflinchingly positive representations are there of people from Kentucky mm-hmm. or thereabouts on on national TV in that time? There are none because people from Kentucky tend to mm. be fucking racist. On television shows, when we see people who are from that kind of mm-hmm. place, they tend to be racist or they tend to be backwatery or something like that. And so this is one of the rare shows where, sorry, just for the clarity, I'm not saying that people who are from Kentucky are racist because I saw... I saw Mark's face being like, oh, our, our listeners are going to get <laughs> mad at them. So, so yeah, that's not what I'm saying. But I, I am saying that the way that the media portray those people, like it's about racism or it's about race or it's about being backwatery or something like that. And this show went out of its way to say, hey, this guy, he's a good guy. He's different. But, you know, he makes he brings out the best in everybody. He makes people want to stop being in their shells. He makes them want to not be toxic men he also i think that's okay believes that other people are good like he's good but he has that level of trust that we don't necessarily always or is the portrayals of people like him aren't always don't always share that quality they can be mistrustful and jump to conclusions absolutely you're right about that all right sorry to interrupt we need to have our sponsor break What's the real science behind all the popular UFO claims on television? What's the true history behind today's growing beliefs in Atlantis, the Flat Earth Theory, and ancient aliens? And when you take away the media hype, what do scientists really say about COVID-19 and global warming? Since 2006, the Skeptoid podcast has been revealing the true science, true history, and true facts behind more than 800 of our most popular urban legends and mysteries. Each episode of Skeptoid looks at a famous story you know and reveals the part of it you haven't heard. Check out episodes covering mysteries such as popular ghost stories, famous UFO cases, alternative science claims, cryptids and urban legends, or conspiracy theories. Find out why the truth behind these popular legends is even more interesting. Listen wherever you get your podcast. Just search for Skeptoid. That's S-K-E-P-T-O-I-D or visit Skeptoid.com for full transcriptions of the entire catalog. Did any of you hear about or watch Welcome to Wrexham? It's that reality show where Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney bought a... um, Soccer team. Anyway, it has some parallels to, and I think of very obvious parallels that they meant to, to Ted Lasso and having these Americans 
come over and pretend like they know something about soccer when they don't really. They bought this team and they're hoping to improve it. I think Michael B. Jordan has bought a, a, a soccer team, actually. C- can I say something that's kind of obvious here? The more that I talk about this with you guys and I hear you guys talking about this, is it possible that Ted Lasso wasn't a very good show? Am I going out on a limb here? I see what's in the notes and I've read what people have written. I don't have much to say about it. Like, Al, help me out here. Am, am I wrong? Am I wrong about this? I don't think you're wrong. I think like half of the jokes in any given episode didn't really land. I think most of the characters weren't very well drawn. The main innovation in the show is a vibe and it's an interesting vibe, but a vibe can't carry a show. How do you talk or, because like they asked me, so Slate asked me, no, not Slate, New York Times. They asked me to write about Ted Lasso and I like, I agreed to it and I, I wrote a hundred words and then I like hit a wall. And I was like, I have nothing to say. Like, how do you write about a vibe? Or how do you write or talk about a vibe? Because that's essentially what this show is. It's giving you good vibes. And I'm happy that I had those good vibes two, three years ago. But, like, what more is there here? Am, am I just missing it? But a vibe a vibe is still a breakthrough, right? I think you could then have, you could have a better written show with the same vibe be produced in future. And maybe a better written show previously wouldn't have been able to have the same vibe because that vibe would have been too much of a risk. Think about shows like The Office or mm-hmm. 30 Rock or like shows that like introduced a new mm-hmm. tone, if you like, into the comedy space. I think maybe this is maybe this is one of those. And then each of those obviously had a lot of like offshoots and copycats, which kind of made that tone more dominant in the comedy space maybe that's what will happen to ted lasso as well maybe it's just the success of the show will give people permission to have shows about sensitive men and like reason to think that people will enjoy them it is a show about vibe i think you're right it's about how you feel when you're watching it like when we talked about succession an objectively great television show I didn't always feel good watching it. In fact, sometimes I felt kind of bad. I don't think you were supposed to feel good watching no. it. No. Like that show was not supposed to. supposed to make you feel deeply yeah. uncomfortable. Oh, thank was, God. Yeah. Thank all God. Okay, cringe, good. I'm, all the, well within yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> but this is supposed to make you feel, this is all about how you feel watching it. The content is almost secondary. You know, it's about that vibe. And I think for some people that is, Absolutely enough. I think that's clearly enough for a lot of the audience. I think you're right. But my question is, can you sustain a good show on a vibe? So you're right that there are plenty of television shows. Like like my son is watching Young Sheldon, I think it is. Mm. Oh, yeah. And he recently watched... Big Bang Theory, I think. Like, so, so like, he, he's watching. And those shows, I, I watched a couple episodes with him. There's no real meaningful plot. But it's a vibe show. Like, it makes you feel good. It's something you put on. And he plays. I don't know what he does. He does something and he has it on in the background. And so I'm wondering if maybe Ted Lasso is just a serialized version of that kind of show. A show that you put on in the background. But don't pay too much attention to the plot because the plot is not great. Don't pay too much attention to the characterization because the characters are not great. And my question then becomes, is it possible to make a good show that is only about vibes? Because that first season gave me really, really good vibes. It made me feel good in a time where I needed to feel good. And I'm very grateful for it. I'm happy for it. But going back and looking at that again, that does not work. The show doesn't work. Like the first season doesn't work. The second season doesn't work. Third season is a catastrophe. I don't want this to be primarily an opinion podcast, so I, I hesitate to enter into this, but I enjoyed it all the way through, and I think this was a... So maybe maybe a good point of comparison is This Is Us, which I know none of you got into enough, or I don't know if My I was wife asking you at the though. time. She loved that show. Though. But you know, I had to get a, a bunch of ringers when I did the, the podcast on that because I couldn't find people who had actually gotten past the first couple episodes. But I, I feel like when, insofar as this... Sh- Ted Lasso was a was a full on dramedy, you know, by the third season, it was very much in that category. And so if you're have no tolerance for melodrama, it's not all feel good. This whole thing with his panic attacks. And I felt like the direction on this, like really made it stand out from like when he's having one of these panic attacks and what they do with the camera and how he, you know, people are able to reach out to him and 
like, yes, that was treated extremely well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, things like that just make this seem like, and just a higher budget maybe, or maybe things just look good even with a lower budget. But I mean, you got all these people in the stands for all this stuff. Like I just never felt like, I don't know. There's so many sports, like almost like mighty ducks or whatever. Like I'm not going to, this didn't feel like a kid's show. Like when something is bad. Wait a minute. Are you sitting on the Mighty Ducks TV show or the Mighty Ducks movies? Because you can sit on the TV I'm not show. Gonna, if you sit on I the movies, really I, will fight any you. Time. I will fight you about those movies. <laughs> I just get the feeling or Major League or whatever that there's some slumming aspect. If you're going to, oh, I'm in, a, I'm in a sports movie kind of whatever. But I didn't get that with this. This is a prestige show and it's trying to be a prestige show. It's just that it jumped so far, like even though Last Man on Earth, did you guys watch that one? Yes, yeah, I yes, did. yes, I yes. Did. So that's another Saturday Night Live based. Jason Sudeikis was even in the later seasons. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I really enjoyed that show when it started. And it seemed like that was what the same genre, not the same vibe, but the same genre that season one was. And then it became This Is Us. And it's only because I can like tolerate both of those things that I feel like it was good all the way through. I think the footprint of this in terms of actors, like there are at least seven people in this show that I could name that like will go on and like be the central character in things or, you know, I, Brett Goldstein's already from the freaking Marvel universe is going to be is Hercules. There were enough things in Ted Lasso that like that elevated it to be something. I don't think it's quite disposable, probably just not quite as good as it was aiming to be because they did pitch at some of these quite like lofty ideas we're going to tackle like toxic masculinity we're going to tackle like mental Mm -hmm. health like any kind of like modern sexual political issue they're going to throw an episode at it i think they did quite a good job of not making that political commentary annoying which is really easy to do in a in, in a comedy drama like that but they just didn't quite back up those lofty goals with tight enough plot, funny enough jokes, thorough enough character portrayals. So there was enough depth in the characters to make them interesting and worth watching. And there were enough funny moments to keep you interested. It just didn't quite break over into being classic quality TV. So maybe I'm somewhere between Lawrence, it's no good at all, and a mark. Although I did enjoy it. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. I was just thinking like, where do you go from the first season knowing that you have hit this zeitgeist. Where where do you go? And I thought that it's a lot of pressure. And so I admired what they were trying to do in the second season. And I enjoyed it too. I enjoyed the second season, most of it. But I admired that they were trying to not just do the same thing that they did the first season. I had wished that we had seen more of a connection there that, you know, make the show really about... Ted Lasso and the extra characters be those supporting characters that they were supposed to be so that we could see that full arc more clearly. I felt like his character got so muddled at the end and the episodes got too long. I mean, they were a tight 30 minutes the first season. And I really liked that length for this show. And when you're bumping up to 50 minutes, 55 minutes on an episode, I was like, that's Hour and a quarter. Oh, I know, right? It's just too much. It's too much. Did you want to know that much about Keeley's business and her romance? No one did. That was the weakest plot line. We didn't didn't need that. But I think you're absolutely right about the the point of like you got this initial success and then you panic thinking like, where else can we go? Maybe they could have just spent the second season doing like Ted Lasso's anxiety and making that the plot. But they clearly thought, oh, people love Keeley and we need to... Or we need to do something more with the women on the show. That will have been the... Then how about the therapist? I loved her as a character. And I missed her, actually. That She was the one character I missed in the third season. I thought there was a lot of potential for that character. And I liked that part of his arc was him going to therapy. Yeah, for sure. It seemed like they needed to build up his, like the anxiety subplot for most of the second season. Or they felt like they needed to do that. But anyway, but that's why I thought the second season was the worst because it seemed like they had been caught on the back foot and they weren't quite sure like what elements of the show they needed to develop and what they should stay behind to make a couple of bad choices, I think. But then by the third season, it, it felt to me like they had decided what the show should be about and they were able to like really focus in. Now, what do you think there's chatter about the Ted Lasso storyline being done, but maybe keeping the lasso verse basically open for other storylines. 
Do you think that's a good idea or a bad idea? I would watch a beard prequel. <laughs> I want to see beard. Beard was cool. I'm kind of over the universalization. I think that's a word. Universalization. The mm. universalization of like everything. Like the Ted Lasso universe. The Fast and Furious universe. The Marvel universe. The Spider-Man universe. Get the fuck out of here. I'm tired. Like, give me a good show and I'm tired of spinoffs. Like, give me a, a good original idea and let's pursue that. So they can end this show. The third season, for me, Al disagrees, went completely off the rails. And I think they need to bring the show to a close. And they need to do something. Bring back Terriers. It's a really old show that came out in the 90s. It was really great. and only got one season. Give that a universe. Let's put Tad Lesso to bed. I want to see a new and better show by the same team. I feel like the people who, who made Ted Lasso I have agree. a better show. I agree with that. Another show, because the team is clearly talented. We just need better. And and I would I would like to see what they do next. I'm interested in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, original programming. I want to see more original stuff rather than stuff that's already based on. Yeah. Like, for example, okay, so this is tangentially related to Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. I think part of the reason why Ted Lasso was so, like, it looked so good and, like, you know, they had such high production quality, it's Apple. Like, Apple has money to burn. And so they gave the show a great deal of money. They saw that it was successful, so they kind of kept pumping money into it. But Apple makes a number of really good, interesting, like, Silo right now on Apple TV. It is a great show. It's my favorite show of the year so far. And the production value on that is really, really high. So it's not like Netflix. Like, Netflix makes a lot of money, but they don't really put that much money onto their TV shows unless they're like The Witcher or something like that. Or, you know, but every now and then Apple will give you a really good show like Servant, like Silo, like whatever, you know, that does something really interesting with that production value. I would just like to see them do something like this, but just a little bit better. Is there anything that I know we just talked about Dark Shadows that counts as a soap opera, but apart from your childhood experiences with with that very weird property, is there anything that would count as an adult soap opera that you actually like? Because I, I think that's what... Yes, yeah, I mean, so... That, because I think that's what this would be, is like, let's keep the football team, call it the Richmond way or something, and just keep following these various characters through their romances and their self-discoveries and things. And I don't know if I would enjoy that or not. I would have to see, but I'm not entirely close to the idea of like a familiar place where you go and hang around. So Shameless is one that I hung in with till the very end, even though, you know, they kept some of the main characters were jumping off and stuff because there was something about the aesthetic of that show and hanging with those people, those kids as they grew up that I just found appealing. And, you know, a bunch of actors from that, you know, the main character in the bear was one of the guys that like are really compelling actors, of course, William H. Macy. And so I feel like there are formulas for adult soap operas that are not really, I'm trying to think how pretentious I grew up in a house that used to watch, my grandmother used to watch stories, what she used to call them. She used to watch these stories. So I grew up watching Days of Our Lives, and I grew up watching all of my children in general, hospital and all that kind of stuff. I am not opposed to a good, well-written, well-acted soap opera. I'm perfectly fine with that. Dark Shadows is not that. (laughs) Dark Shadows is doing something different for me. I don't know why I love that show so much. It's doing something different for me. Because the acting on that show, it's up and down. The writing on that show, it's all over the place. But I I really enjoyed it. But, like, I remember there was, like, a character arc in Days of Our Lives where, like, someone got, like, possessed by a demon. And they had to, like, be exercised. And it was silly. And I loved it. I watched it every single day. I tuned in popcorn in hand to watch that. I am not against a good soap opera. This just didn't do it for me. And I would love for, for there to be a good soap opera for me to watch. Because Tyler Perry tries to do that. And I don't like his shows either. But so maybe I'm growing out of it. I don't know. But like, it just needs to be good. It just needs to kind of do what I needed to do. Like Pretty Little Liars, for example. I like that quite a bit. A Gossip Girl. I liked that quite a bit. But you hate Friends, right? You hate Friends. Don't get me started so, on which, which I see is a, that that is basically a soap opera. No. The they reason, they put enough jokes in the it. Reason why, I know it's a sitcom. I know the form is a sitcom. Yeah. It's a sitcom. But the form is such that it's just about, you know, following everybody through their shit and Ross and Rachel evolving okay. over time. Like it you has so what? many soap opera no, elements to it. You did this. It's what you, it's what you no, mean stop by. Stop talking. 
Stop it's talking. What you mean Let by me talk. I need to. I need to make myself <laughs> clear. Let me be clear on this point because I've gotten a lot of crap from people saying because I don't like friends. The reason why I don't like friends is because my because friends stole their entire thing from a show called Living Single. It was a show about black women and it was a sitcom kind of show and they completely stole it from Living Single. So the reason why I do not like Friends, even though I see it was great at its time, all that kind of stuff, I don't like it because they stole it and they stole it from black creators. And I hate that show and fuck them. <laughs> Al. Let's, let's cut. No, don't cut. Uh, let's cut. Don't cut I was wondering, Mark, whether what you mean by soap opera, given that you count Friends as a soap opera, is just like a show that isn't very good, but which you nonetheless feel okay with watching for a really long time. Right. Sarah was introduced to this show via the soap opera episode. And it was a thing that I had always, as a man, as a, I'm into cool stuff. I'm into Monty Python. I'm into sci-fi. I'm not, I'm not going to watch soap operas. I didn't grow up with that stuff, but it made me see how so much of the stuff that I actually do like has a lot of soap opera melodramatic elements and be okay with that. So yes, Twin Peaks, a lot of people, you know, that went off the air because it was cast as a, as a mystery show. It's a long-term mystery show. And once you solve the mystery of who killed Laura Palmer, then like, what is the point? And people started, wa- stopped watching. That's also because David Lynch left and it got crappy. But like, even if he hadn't left, once you solve that mystery, it seems like the show is basically over. But what it should have done is like, this is a weird place to hang out. And these are weird characters. And it's a certain aesthetic that you have to get used to. And it actually repelled me at first watching that show. But by the end of it, I was like, I could hang out in this and just have them just doing their stuff and making quips to each other and the quirky lady behind the desk at the police officer's place and the log lady and all your other old friends. And that's what, yeah. So I guess, Al, you're right. This this is what I mean by, it's not that they have to be bad. Like, I hope that they're good, but they don't, it's about the comfort of the people that, and yeah. and a vibe. So much of this is us is like, the music and the style of the jump cuts in time and just this unique thing that they set up with that, that unless it just makes you want to puke, the people that could, you know, when you get through a certain point with it, then you're like, these actors are all pretty good and I'm kind of attached to them. And like, yeah, they could just keep it going. But I think the soap opera elements in Ted Lasso just seemed the least interesting to me because there's a certain contrivance when you're bringing people together and then finding ways to separate them and then bringing them back together and then separating them again in a different way. And I personally, I just get kind of sick of that. I don't find that particularly interesting. And maybe it's because, I don't know, actually, that's not true. I watched, I watched The Real Housewives. I love The Real Housewives. And it is objectively terrible television. But I for some reason, really, really like it. And to bring us to bring yeah. us back to the theme as well, isn't that what people get out of professional sports? It's just the same. It's the same characters doing like essentially the same thing year on year. No, on year on sports is different. Like, no, the order that they do those different. things. I know sports is different. I'm just, but I do think what, where the analogy holds up is is in there's something about the sense of being with something for the long term. And like being comfortable, like say, like, this is my thing and I'm just going to sit with it for however many years it's going to keep going. And that's a part of where you get the, the comfort. With me, this is like critical role, right? This is the live play D&D or something that you just watch for hours and hours and hours, despite a variable or questionable quality, just because you've decided that you're with these people for the long term. You know, I think the thing about This Is Us is that people just really like to cry. Like, I mean, genuinely, they do. Like, like they like to turn on things <laughs> sure. that engage them emotionally. And like this, like every episode of This Is Us is all about getting you to cry. Like every episode, every single thing, every single episode I saw that the black girls, let's see if we can get you, get you to cry about them. The guy who died, let's see if we can get you, get you to cry about him. The woman who's like losing weight, let's see if we can get you to cry about her. Like that show is all about every single, I mean, every episode aggressively was trying to get you to cry. It reminds me of that other show that came on uh, on ABC, A Million Little Things, I think it was called. It tried to get you to cry every single episode. This show is not necessarily. Uh, yes, I watched the, the pilot of that and I was like, I'm not going to commit to these people. <laughs> I have enough shows where I'm committing to people. I don't want to care about these people. Like, they all seem like good actors, but like, no, I'm not on board. And so I, that was it. 
some soap operas are designed for that. Some soap operas are like designed for, ooh, they're cheating, you know, oh, sexy time, whatever, you know, so some soap operas are like that. Danger. Yeah. yeah. So there's always a side of something like this would be the sports and, the, you know, if there was the Richmond way soap opera, it would still have its own. We're going to try to keep the sports stuff fresh. I guess we haven't really talked about, you know, like the Rocky movies that we talked about, like they had to do something different with every season so that the I was actually surprised, like I wouldn't have minded if just they came back in the second half of this game. I'm spoiling the finale now. OK, but it doesn't matter. And then they just whooped them. Like, did, did it really have to come down to the last minute and stuff? Like, just have them. Now we turned it around, and now we're having a good time, and bam, bam, bam. That would have been just as satisfying for me. I didn't need the sports cliche of the last you gotta second. You got to have suspense, whatever. man. got to have suspense. got to have suspense. <laughs> the worst example of that in the show was when they had the, the was it six-goal goal difference in the previous season that they had to get in order to not get relegated. Uh-huh. And they have to win the game, right. and also the other match had to finish with like a 5-1 oh score difference gosh, or something. And I was like, Fine, whatever. But all of that was secondary, and that's not what you get in an, in your typical sports film. That's what the central storyline is all about, is will they make it to the finals, or will they win, or will they perform this ridiculous feat, or whatever. That's not what this show was ever about. It's Glee a sports show. Glee. Because it it's, it's all about whether they'll, whether they'll make comp- it to the It's regionals. a competition show. I don't know if it's sports. You know, it might be sports. I'm, Glee is not be. a competition. Glee is people in in show choir. It was the a, Glee is a, the the Glee is a direct thematic prequel to Ted Lasso. No, no, Glee was just a narrative, and it was also a soap opera about teens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it would have musical numbers, like, and that was a yeah. lot of the point. If maybe you come there to cry for This Is Us, if if you didn't like the musical numbers, then there's no point in going to. And it has its own kind of mean humor that was throughout. You know, that you had was a acquired taste. There's a lot about how the power of singing a cappella can make you a better person, much as in Ted Lasso, how the, the power of football makes you a better person as well. So I new theory, Ted Lasso is just rip, ripping off Glee. It's not terrible. And that's not something that I wanted to spend a lot of time with. I, I watched <laughs> at least half a dozen episodes of Glee for sure, but like it was not a world I wanted to be in for whatever reason. Really the question, Mark, is how do you determine what kind of person you want to spend time with? Because it sounds like you've tried out a lot of friends and then like just like kicked them to the side. So how do you determine what you want to what you want to <laughs> Yeah, it's to no, do? it's just do you find yourself actually looking forward? You know, in some ways I've turned by with all these damn podcasts, I've made it so I don't have to make these decisions <laughs> exactly that I just like, okay, I'm gonna experience this whole thing. And I do even feel I, I'm just an obsessive kind of person like that, that there are some shows that like, I can't almost feel with all shows. I kind of just want to, I want to get to the end of the story, but given how much TV there is in the world, that's not going to happen. There are so many things that when I'm just like in a show hole that I might be like, should I finally go back and watch uh season two of that women in prison show? Like mm-hmm. that was from right. orange is the new black, orange is the new black, like just these things that were abandoned at some point in time. And maybe I do and maybe I don't, but yeah, it's a very whimsical enterprise. This, uh, what are you going to sit in front of for the most part? Of course. Well, that's what we're, we've gone back and we're watching party down and, um, we, and, and again, that that's kind of like, it's a comedy, right? But it's also got some soap opera elements to it and likable characters that I want to hang with. And it's really well written and it's so freaking funny. But yeah, but it's kind of a show about nothing. You know, it's kind of, you know, these are characters that are, a lot of them are just kind of spinning in circles, but they're really interesting circles. Manifest. That's one that I've started on Netflix. Is that good? Watching with my wife. And no, I would say no. Like really? it definitely it has popular. enough of that. It, it is. And, and I keep like, maybe I should just get to season three or something and then it'll be great. But we're still in season one. And it's, that's one that it has enough of that lost x-files or whatever kind of quality to it that i feel like i shouldn't give it up entirely but like i don't want to hang around with any of those people i do not like any of the actors on that show i don't think it's very well written like this is just not a fun it's not because like oh they're such a bummer because they're so miserable there's lots of shows like that mm-hmm. it's not like that it's just like i feel like this is a low budget poorly created show and that if i keep watching it will be in spite of that so yeah if you're asking who do I want to hang around? Like, that's not the only reason that I would choose a show for sure, but uh, it certainly plays in. 
But the X-Files, by the way, that's another kind of soap opera-ish show, but also adjacent to yeah. horror. No, yeah, Mark, trust me. If you go that's back and true. watch that show, that show is a lot of will they or won't they? What's going on with these two crazy all kids? Those, yeah. But also mm-hmm. there's like a well, demon. It's also a demon over here that might kill everybody. Like X-Files is a crazy Yeah, show. no, I mean, that's one of those things. Yeah, they, the only reason you keep watching it is because you really like these actors and these characters and their ongoing evolution. But like the thing that you come for in the first place is like, oh, this is going to be a self-contained kick-ass little horror, sci-fi, whatever. And if it didn't succeed to that, there's no point. You know, now that we've got these big shows that have all ended now, so Ted Lasso, Succession, and Barry, Mm -hmm. I was thinking about, because I've been, obviously we just recorded Succession and about how that show was a lot about how people don't change. And Barry Hmm. is too, how people just are who you are. And how Ted Lasso is the opposite that people can change, that that's almost its superpower is that people can change. That was actually something I thought was kind of Mm. an interesting contrast. I think that Succession and Barry are very down-to-earth, grounded shows, and Ted Lasso is a fantasy. Mm. (laughs) Because people don't. Is it because you don't think people can change? (laughs) People don't change. I think we're going to have to take up Barry in the after talk. People don't change. Uh, Yeah, any, any final words about this from anybody else? So I mean, can... watch the first season, you know, watch the first season. Yeah. Oh, I think it's a worthwhile. I would never have watched Ted Lasso without this podcast. And, I, I'm, and I'm glad that I did. It was a good time. Oh, Al, that's wonderful. I will say, <laughs> despite all my disparaging things, Jason Sudeikis, is that his name? Jason yeah. Sudeikis, He is yeah. a really good actor. He is a really good actor. I will give him that. He, he is a very well acted show. Very well acted show. He was a good actor. Juno Temple, I think her name is. She was good. <laughs> The beard guy. What's the beard guy? Uh, what's his, the real actor's name? I don't. Brendan. Hall, yeah, I mean, let, let's right? give these guys their flyers. Like, yeah, Brendan like, Hunt. Brendan Hunt. Like the yeah. way he embodied that character was really good. I really enjoyed. Like, mm-hmm. so the acting on the show was quite good. I just wish that they had done more with the direction and and the storytelling. But like the acting itself, really well acted show. I really enjoyed the acting quite a bit. Yeah, I, lo- like I love this show. Actually, I. I wouldn't have missed it. I know that it wasn't the second two seasons weren't as strong as, or I didn't like them as much as I liked the first one, but I would not have missed it. I really wanted to see this character through the end. All right. Thanks all three of you for organizing our thoughts here. And uh, thanks for listeners. Yes. We'll talk a little more. Whoever wants to stick around in the after talk. So long, everybody. Bye. 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 Get more Pretty Much Pop at prettymuchpop.com. Get bonus content for every episode at patreon.com slash prettymuchpop. Pretty Much Pop is part of the Partially Examined Life podcast network, and it's also presented by openculture.com. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri.